same old place that you laughed about. Well, the memories have all changed since you hung around. And what is going on out there, everybody? It's been a minute. I know I've been gone. Um, gone through some changes, gone through some uh growth. You know, sometimes um you gotta go underground and you gotta go dark to become the newer, improved, best version of yourself. Obviously, you know, if you were doing this where millions and millions and you're on ESPN, you probably couldn't do that. But because this is my my hobby, you know, um, I chose to do that. And, you know, a lot of times you go through some self-reflection uh, and realization and just seeing where you are in the current climate of where you're living, where you've been, where you're going, what you've accomplished what you are accomplishing and setting some future goals for yourself. And, you know, um, I guess sometimes it takes some people longer than others to see who and where they are. I mean, forever, I've always been a um, anybody that knows me just uh, vibrant and a kid at heart. But, you know, um, I guess as you get older, and the world that we're living in, I guess that, you know, fun-loving kiddish behavior is something where it needs to uh, evolve. Not go away, but just evolve. And that's what I did. And hopefully, I'm evolving into the best version of myself. That is the goal. But another one of my goals is to sit here and talk about some sports and um, entertainment. One thing I wanted to start off with, I want to talk about a little bit of the um, NFL draft. I want to talk about the NBA playoffs. Um, I, I know it's been so long I haven't spoken about anything, so I don't want to go through like the past eight months of sports and go over like the first round of sports. I just want to start from today. So let's start off with the NBA since that's a little bit fresher and that's probably going to be going on longer. You know, um, some series that we have now going, um, some ended and some began. And when we have the Heat and the Knicks play, you know, um, this is going to be a very intriguing and fascinating series because with the, the Heat taking out the Bucks, who many felt were going to be the presumptive representative of the Eastern Conference in the NBA Finals and had a great shot of winning it all, being knocked out by the Heat. In my eyes, that doesn't automatically make the Heat now the champion favorite, but what that does is this Heat-Knicks series is very winnable for either team. Because if the Knicks were playing against the Bucks, you'd hope that the Knicks could take one, maybe two. But now you could see the Knicks, you know, this is a very winnable series. But in game one, it didn't go down that way. And there are some reasons to that. You know Julius Randle. You're losing 25 points to 10 rebounds throughout the regular season. I know in the playoffs, the numbers have dipped a little bit. But his production... His ability to stretch the floor and just get a tough bucket when you need it, along with Brunson, it was missing. Now, for a lot of those people out there that I don't know why have been knocking R.J. Barrett the entire season. I mean, he's giving you 19 points throughout the regular season as the third option. I mean, what do you want him to do here? You know, I mean, you have 50 point games every other game. I mean, he maximized the opportunity that he had getting a couple more shots with no Julius Randle. By pouring in 26 points. I thought he had a good game. But I think what you're seeing is with the Heat, 
they're not going to dominate you with offense. They're going to dominate you with defense. And that's what happened yesterday. They are going to be organized. They're going to defend. And they are going to make you work for everything. Can you score on them? Yes. But are you going to be willing to work that hard throughout the game? A lot of teams don't want to do that. They want them quick, easy layups, then quick, easy threes. And the Heat, they don't allow that. And I'm thinking when I was watching this game yesterday, the paint is closed off to Jalen Brunson. He was eating a lot off of Cleveland by getting in the paint, sucking in the defense, kicking it out, being able to either get a foul call or put it up and in. And yesterday they were not allowing Brunson to become a scorer in terms of getting in the paint and doing what he does. They wanted him to be a facilitator and pretty much drive and kick. And one of the weaknesses of the Knicks are they are not a great three-point shooting team. And that showed itself yesterday. There were a lot of three-point shots where pretty much it was open and they missed it. And with the Heat, offensively, I mean, what can you say about Jimmy Butler? I mean, Jimmy Butler, you know, I know I'm an old guy and I accept that. My era was 90s basketball. But Jimmy Butler, to me, he could play in any era. He's tough. He's strong. No nonsense. He gets fouled. He doesn't sit there, roll around, and bellyache to the ref, cry. He just stands up and goes shoot his free throw. Stands in there, takes the charge, doesn't sit there and fall on the floor. And, hey, look, I don't want to say he doesn't flop because nowadays everybody flops. But what I'm saying is Jimmy Butler is the type of guy in one sentence. He's the type of guy that will slap you in your face and won't even run after he does it. He'll look at you in your eye and say, do we have a problem? After he slapped you. Old school mentality. Old school mentality. Um, the Heat as a whole, gritty, grimy. Whatever they need to do, they get it done. Each man steps in and steps up. This is going to be a long series. I don't think this is going to be a sweep by any uh, uh, um, notion of the imagination. You have Spolstra, a Hall of Fame coach. I just think now the Knicks need to reinvent themselves. Can they do it? Yes. But... It's going to be, in my estimation, they need to have more spread sets. And look, I'm not a coach. I'm not one of these guys that knows it all. I'm just telling you from a guy that's watching the game and telling you what I see when I'm watching the ABC TV. Spread the court, allow more drive and kick opportunities, or nowadays, just throw the ball up at the backboard and hopefully you get a foul call. I know that that's what the Knicks are saying, but we'll see what happens in game two. Obviously, Jimmy Butler's injury, is he going to play in game two? Because game three is, you know, if he doesn't play in game two, he'll get a five-day rest. You already stole game one, so you did what you had to do. Now, do you want to put a stranglehold on this series and win game two? I don't know. We'll see. Julius Randle, they're going to need him back. They're going to need that production. Now, let's go to the Warriors and the Kings. Um, I think yesterday, what we saw, and it's an old quote that still rings true. Yesterday, you saw the heart of a champion on his sleeve with Steph Curry. 50 points, 8 rebounds, 6 assists, knocking down threes, making circus shots, layups in the lane. I mean, I don't want to say it's something we've never seen before. I mean, maybe 50 points in Game 7 we've never seen before. I believe that's the first time in NBA history, 50 points in a Game 7. But the way that Steph Curry scored, typical. 50-point game, typical. And the Kings, they're a good team. They need a couple more pieces, but they have a good core there. Malik Monk, Sabonis, Fox, 
They got some things going on, but sometimes you need to get beat like this to know next time when you step in the ring, how you got to play. Because I'm sure the Memphis Grizzlies, they're saying that same thing. I mean, if all of my Wire fans out there, like Omar said in the Wire, when you come at the king, you best not miss. And Dylan Brooks wanted to poke the bear, and the king showed him what time it is. Now, it's going to be very interesting seeing the Warriors and the Lakers because what's funny is, is that for me when I'm watching this, watching Denver, the playoffs, I mean, watching Denver get beat down the way that they did in game one, not Denver, watching Denver hand out that beat down the way that they did in game one doesn't really matter to me in that in the in the new era NBA, you could get blown out by 30 and win the next game. Because the Milwaukee Bucks, the one game that they beat against Miami, they mollywhopped Miami by like 30 points. But yet, Miami won the series by five. So one it's one game. And Kevin Durant and the, the Suns are still gelling and growing. And each series, I feel, in the NBA, you need to reinvent yourself. It's not we're just going to do this and we're going to go in and win because the other team will not allow you to do that. You can get your players their buckets, but how are you going to get them the buckets? That's where coaching comes in. And adjusting and adjustments come in. Now, with the four teams remaining, with the Warriors, Lakers, Denver, and the Suns, for me, whomever wins between the Warriors and the Lakers, I think has the best shot of making the NBA Finals, especially if they play Denver. But if the Suns come out and they look like the Suns we all thought they could be, that's a problem. If the Suns barely come out versus Denver, this series between the Warriors and the Lakers, that team is going to the NBA Finals. We shall see. On the other side, I mean, look, with um, Philly and you got Boston, um, look, I'm going to say it right now with, um, Embiid and his knee injury, if he's hampered and he's not Joel Embiid, it's going to be Boston in the Eastern Conference Finals, period. I don't think there's anything more that, you know, you need to say about that. And one last thing I wanted to say, I've been hearing people out there saying, um, Steph Curry being the best point guard ever. Um, look. Do I think Steph Curry is the best point guard ever? No. I think Steph Curry is up there with maybe some of the best scoring guards ever. But when you look at Steph Curry, his position title is point guard. But his game is not that. This is such a positionless league. And we have names or positions as labels on players and I guess that's just the way you have to do it but in saying what the actual functionality of the position is it's so different now than it was Steph Curry does not even bring the ball up Steph Curry in no way initiates offense sets up the offense and distributes the ball Steph Curry is a stone cold assassin 
He is the definition of modern day killer. All he's going to do is give you chef curried barbecue chicken all damn day. And if you don't like it, tough. From the three, from the perimeter, a little, little, little ha, 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 in between his legs and the scoop layup, corner three, wing three, at the top three, logo three, other half of the court three. I mean, once he steps on the court, you got to D him up. He's already in range. So let's, let's, let's pump the brakes. And another thing, too, I guarantee you, I guarantee you, whomever wins between the Lakers and the Warriors, they, and you know who I mean when I say they, will jump on either LeBron and Curry and say it is their finals to lose. They're the greatest player on the planet. Ba 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 ba. It's funny how when you win, you're the greatest, but then when you lose, you're all right. I mean, when you lose, you can still be great. You just may, I get you may not be the greatest, but you can still be the greatest and lose. I don't know. Let's talk about the NFL draft. I mean, uh, when we talk about the NFL draft, it was, uh, I don't think there was like a lot that was, um, how should I say, we didn't understand. There was a lot of, there, there, there were a lot of teams in which we didn't feel um, what was, there was a lot of, how can I say this? I, I know I'm sounding flummoxed right now. There wasn't a lot of um, suspense. We all knew Bryce Young was going one, right? C.J. Stroud and Will Anderson going two and three to Houston. Houston kind of re-upped and reloaded. Anthony Richardson, um, look, that is a very talented player. I don't know how much playing time he's going to see in year one, but in terms of physical stature and talent, I mean, he has a cannon for an arm. And I will say this, to see Edron James pick this dude up from the airport, bring him into the facility. Edron James went to Miami. Anthony Richardson went to Florida. But what did they have in common? They two Florida boys, and they both playing for the Colts. That's what I'm talking about when you talk about love. Watching Will Levis drop, I mean, hey, it's going to happen. It's unfortunate. I guess that's why a lot of these players don't want to go to the green room and have to deal with that. But I'm glad that he put he found himself in a good situation with Tennessee. Um a couple of picks that I felt that were not that the player is bad. It's just the value at that position. Um, I don't like um, when you see the uh, Atlanta Falcons, they drafted Bijan Robinson, who's a great player. I thought that was a bad pick. I thought they could have gone in a different direction with the team that's rebuilding. The same as Jamar Gibbs going to Detroit. I thought that, you know, Detroit with, where they are and where they're going. And yes, they traded their um they they traded their running back. And that's probably why they felt like drafting Jamar Gibbs. Look, I've said it, I stand on it, and I'll scream about it. Drafting a running back in the first round is a wasted draft pick unless you are a team that is going into the season knowing that you can win the Super Bowl and maybe a running back or this is a luxury position for you to draft. It's not that these players aren't talented, but where the league is going now, the value is not in running the ball. The value is in quarterback, receiver, edge rusher, offensive tackles. That's where the premium positions are right now. And for the, the Atlanta Falcons are not winning the Super Bowl. Detroit, 
Yeah, they got Chad Hutchinson, but you don't think they can use more help on that defensive line for the pass rush? Because they're coming. Detroit's coming. They got the offense set. Their defense was good. Jared Goff, let's go. Why don't you improve that defense? I'm old school when I say this, but defense wins championships. Offense wins games. Now, when there's a, there's a, now when you look at Philadelphia, a lot of people are saying they had the best draft. I'm no longer calling the Philadelphia Eagles the Philadelphia Eagles. I'm calling them the Philadelphia Bulldogs. I mean, within the past two years, these guys have drafted four guys off of that championship team from the Georgia Bulldogs, and they traded for another running back in Detroit to have him come and play in Philly. I will say this. A lot of times when teams draft players from a championship team or a team a la Alabama, a la Ohio State, a la Clemson, or now a la Georgia, you're drafting players from that team just to say, oh, we need somebody from that team because they got pedigree and they know how to win big games. And then a lot of times you're like, oh, he was the guy that really wasn't good. He was just riding the coattails of the really good players. Well, the Philadelphia Bulldogs, they got the players that were the good players on the Georgia Bulldogs when they were going on those championship runs. And I mean, goodness gracious, man. That defense for the for the, for the the Eagles, uh, as a Giants fan, I am scarred. I am not one of those people where I sit there and just want to disrespect my opponent because I hate them. I respect my opponent. The Eagles are a great team. They lost the Super Bowl, lost some pieces. They re-upped and added pieces. They probably got the best defensive player in the draft, and they're going to be a force to record with having re-signed Jalen Hurts. Because nowadays, if you have a quarterback and he's really good, you have a chance to go to the Super Bowl. If you have a quarterback that's okay and average, you can go to the playoffs. Look at the Giants with Daniel Jones. And if you look at the Giants, they reloaded. They added some pieces. What did they do? They had a defense last year with a defensive coordinator that wants to blitz. But he didn't have the personnel to help him blitz. Then what did they do in the draft? First pick, they got probably the most freakishly talented cornerback in Deontay Banks pressed man that allows um, Wink Martindale to blitz a lot more. Got some help on that defensive line. Got some help in that secondary. Another defensive back and a safety. So what they're doing is they're drafting talented players to allow Wink to play the defense that he really wants to play. Drafting um, the center that they did. Probably the best center in the draft. A position of need in the second round, that's great value. See, that's what I talk about when I say value. You need a center, but you don't. It's almost like saying, for all of my non-sports fans, would you rather pay $70,000 for a, a, a off-the-shelf line Honda Accord and you know that it's a, in perfect mint condition car, a 2024 car, or would you rather pay $40,000 for a Porsche that has 10,000 miles on it. But it has 10,000 miles. Yeah, but it's still a Porsche. That's what I'm saying when we talk about value. I would rather pay that 10,000 for the Porsche if I had if I had funds allocated that I could allocate to that. I would do that. And that's what the Giants did. They drafted a center where they pretty much got a Porsche in the second round. Because a lot of people are saying this guy's the best center in the draft. And that's a position in need. And that's what the Giants got. And they're going places because when you have an offensive line, you can protect the quarterback. You protect the quarterback, he can pass to the receivers. You pass to the receivers, this is passing league, and you get the points. That's all I'm saying. The Jets, they had a, 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 a draft where 
they drafted some players that I'm not saying that makes you scratch your head. It's just what was the plan? But they're good players that they drafted. They are good players that they drafted. In terms of like, you know, like big storylines and things like that, they weren't, they, it really wasn't that much of that. But the draft was exciting. Um, I'm excited to, for this upcoming NFL season. As far as the playoffs, I will be giving you hopefully daily updates and let you know what's going on. So um, that's all I got for you for this uh, episode where we come back after a long time. Hopefully, um, you know, I could use this as an outlet to just release some of the energy that uh, I have because in the new world that we're living in now, you really can't be and say a lot of things that you want to say to certain people because a lot of people, if they're not feeling what you're talking about, you just wasted your time talking to them. So I feel that whomever hears this, if you heard it, if you're hearing it up to this point, you want to hear what I got to say. Because if you didn't, you would have turned it off after the first minute. So um, in saying that, like I do with all my episodes, I want to end this with a positive quote. And my positive quote is from a gentleman um, that I, I read a couple of his books by the name of Tim Grover. And this comes from his book, Relentless. And he is a personal trainer to a lot of great players. Um, you know, uh, Michael Jordan, Dwayne Wade, the list goes on and on. He's, tra he's trained a lot of great players. And um, one of the uh, quotes that he had in his book, and it really resonated with me, was um, this. If you think the price of winning is too high, wait till you get the bill from regret. If you think the winning, if you think the price of winning is too high, wait till you get the bill from regret. Thank you for listening. First time in a long time, everybody. Bye-bye.